So I am doing great. Yeah, I'm here in California. So it is 4.30 p.m. here. Um, so yeah, today we are just going to talk about your story, your dance journey. Um, you are a professional Latin ballroom dancer, yeah? Correct, yeah. I, uh, I currently compete in professional, uh, professional rhythm, uh, but I, my background is ballroom and Latin. That's very interesting that you decided to pivot into rhythm from Latin. So I definitely want to talk about that. Um, so mm -hmm. what age did you start dancing? Um, I started dancing when I was seven. Um, mm -hmm. And I started because my parents, well, the story is that I started dancing when I was in the womb. My parents actually went to dance classes when I was Prenatal. <laughs> and, oh my uh, goodness. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then as soon as I was born, they took me along in my uh, carry cot to to the dance classes and I sat along in the corner and bounced away. But it wasn't until <laughs> I was about uh, six or seven that, I, that my parents had said, uh, <laughs> Joanna, would you like to try this? So I, I tried it and hated it. <laughs> um, and then uh, I played golf for a little bit instead, but <laughs> decided. Um, as an only child, I it was a bit lonely out there on a the golf course and not necessarily mm -hmm, sure. building communi building communication skills, as it were. So my parents decided to try and put me back in for for dancing when I was about ten. Awesome. And uh, I joined a a formation team mm -hmm. at that point. Got it. So you were born and raised in England, yes. Correct. Yes. Okay, and ballroom is very big in England. Would you I say? I feel I feel historically it's massive in England, and it's mm -hmm. probably and for a long time England was one of the kind of powerhouses of ballroom dancing, with uh, a lot of champions coming from there and adjudicators coming from there. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I think that it probably has interest in it has waned over the years. Um, with uh, as a sport, as a sport that kids get into, um, so I think that I wouldn't necessarily describe it as being big over there at this moment, but definitely in the within the history of ballroom dancing, if you look back, England has a a very big part to play in its evolution and in champions. Right. I mean, Blackpool Dance Festival. It's hosted there the biggest uh, ballroom dance festival in the world. Um, Absolutely, yeah. 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 Yeah, so you started when you were 10, and mm -hmm. your first partner, was that uh, was that Amy Baker? Was she your first partner? She was your previous partner, right, before Asta. Right. Um, actually, I had, had a, a very, very short-lived partnership uh, just in in juvenile beginners, which I, I did my first competition when I was about about 10. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a couple of partners throughout juvenile, which is uh, under 12 in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, I danced with a girl called Indigo, and a girl called Cheyenne. So I remember, I remember, how, I have good memories with those, those two girls making finals in the under 12 categories. Nice. And then... Uh, then when I moved into the junior, so like J1, under 14 here, um, I, I had a partner called Rebecca Jackson. Then I moved on to 
a dancer with a girl called Amy Ward, who now owns a very successful dance studio in the north of England um, with her Italian husband. And then uh, 18 years ago, I started dancing with uh, Amy Baker, and we danced through junior two, um, under 21, amateur and professional. Um, and now, now I dance with Asta for the last sort of four, three or four months. And then we're doing our first competition this weekend. Wow. Good luck, guys. That's so exciting. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So before Asta, and As with Asta, you're dancing in pro rhythm. But before correct, rhythm, yeah. you were in Latin. Um, That's correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So your previous partnership was, what, 15 years? It was a very long partnership. You went all the way from junior to pro. That's pretty yeah, rare, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. I don't it see a lot of partnerships. Definitely a rarity. Yeah, yeah. How would Absolutely. you? How did that happen? Like, what's the secret to a long, successful partnership? Um. Ultimately, I think we we always shared common goals. Um to the point at which um like actually we we have a two year age gap um and when we were when i was 16 uh, she was not eligible to dance in the under 19s category um because she was 14 so they made an allowance to sort of allow us to dance in the in the next category up, despite the fact that she was technically too young um and then with uh, with that that gave us opportunity to sort of like take a break actually at that point and focus on what we wanted to do and it was around that time that we started considering not doing standard um we've mm. been attendance couple of, and up until that point as, as most as most people are in the uk mm -hmm. um but but yeah we i think the secret of what kept us going for so long is that we had a shared goal um, and that, that really that really brought us together as a, as a partnership, as a dance partnership. Mm -hmm. Super important to have shared goals and shared commitment levels as well. Um, so tell me a little bit about growing up in London or sorry, London or England or was it? In... Yeah, I'm from one yeah. of those other places in England, not London. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like growing up as a ballroom um, ballroom dancer in England? Like you've mentioned, it's historically a very big um, sport or art form, but these days the, the interest level has declined a little bit, you mentioned. Um, mm. What about when you were growing up? What was it like? I... I was very fortunate to dance at a time in England where um, there were no splits in the divisions. So everybody that danced in England danced against everybody else and everybody in Europe danced against everybody else. There wasn't any kind of division between IDSF, WDSF, WDO, NDCA, WDC. It was all just, you danced IDSF events and WDC events at the same time 
And then when you went pro, you were going against WDC events because there wasn't IDSF pro. Mm -hmm. So in, in that sense, I was really fortunate to grow up from kind of like a, a junior one, junior two, all the way through until my beginnings in amateur. Um, dancing against the best couples that the the country and the and the continent had and the world had in in a lot of international events but i feel that it's only really now that i see that there's a there's these changes in the industry and i see that there's a there's i guess also being removed from england that i actually kind of look at how fortunate i was as a child to have the ability to um, take from these incredible coaches in England and take from people who had studied the dance industry, who had studied the dance form from those who had been there at its inception and that had been throughout the history of forum dancing. I think the, the key for me in the UK was like, growing up with that sense of history. I mean, you, you speak to anybody who's English, they, they grow up with a great sense of history in anything. How buildings are, some of our kind of youngest, oldest buildings are older than this country. So it's, um, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of history, but that transcends into the dance industry and, and you feel very, very much a part of that taking lessons from people who who took lessons from Len Scrivener, from, mm -hmm. from Wally Laird himself, from the people who wrote the technique book, from Alex Moore, having people, having lessons with the people who took lessons with them. So it's, you learn a lot more about the, you don't learn of it as a sport mm -hmm. as much as you learn of it as an art form and yeah. something that is very skill-based. Absolutely. And going off of that, you know, sport versus art, obviously it's it's called dance sport, right? But uh, what is your dancing philosophy in terms of, <clears throat> is it more of a, an artistic pursuit or is it more of an athletic pursuit? I think I know what you're going to say, but I, you know, how can you expand on that? I feel like it, it it has to be classified as an athletic endeavor because it requires endurance, it requires fitness, it requires muscular skeletal strength mm -hmm. to be able to push boundaries that are beyond the norm. But ultimately, it is an art form. It's, it has a technique book that is there to enable people who are... are all abilities access to what I think is the most important thing in dancing, which is the, being able to move to music in a consistent and quality driven way. Um, obviously, if you compete in anything, there's always, there's always that feeling that you're gonna try and push yourself further. Even if you compete in things that are not physical activities in a sense that, a cake competition. You're, the person making the cake is going to seek out ways that they can improve their recipe. Mm -hmm. It's not, they're not, them themselves are not being judged, but their skill is. 
So you always find a way to further yourself. And because it's our human bodies that do the, the dancing itself, then obviously we have to be athletes. We have to be uh, conditioned in a way that enables us to push the boundaries of what has been before. And mm -hmm. if you look at dancing now compared to when even, even kind of 30, 20, 10 years ago, even, like, there's a lot more athleticism and there's a lot more speed and there's a lot more um, of, an, of a sport. Mm -hmm. But those top dancers, those high-level educators in dance still maintain the art form that it is. Yeah. And and that's that's what it has to be. So I think if you if you're doing anything that is interpretive and is related to another art form in in our case music, then it it, can, it can't not be considered an art. Right. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I think that speaks to, you know, the the topic of judging, right? How do you, how does one judge something as subjective as art, right? Um, mm. And this goes for aesthetic sports in general. Like that's what the platform Athlete Voices is. We focus on aesthetic sports like gymnastics and dance and figure skating and where the intersection of art and sport lies. And I think it is tricky sometimes to judge something that is so interpretive, right? Every judge may have their own opinion about what makes for good dancing and how do you judge that based on an objective set of criteria? Like, is that even possible? Um, can you speak to that in any way? Um, yeah, I think, I think asking anybody to judge anything is immediately making something subjective. Um, you're asking one person to impart an opinion to another person or a panel of people to express a shared opinion, sometimes not shared, but um, a consensus opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so there are, there are methods and there are ways in which the objectivity has been, it, it, they attempt to increase the objectivity by, and rather than taking one specific person's subjective view, they take an average of, a group of subjective people, subjective opinions. And I think that that ultimately is the only way that they can really make it an objective event. <laughs> but the, because I know that there's, there's calls for and there's attempts to kind of change the judging system, changing the criteria to make it more points-based, but that's really just kind of a different way of expressing a subjective opinion. Mm -hmm. So... Ultimately, I think if uh, there's always this, there's a sense that there are still required elements that we do uh, in order to keep within characters of dancers. It's not in the same as uh, artistic gymnastics and it's not quite in the same as uh, ice dance or, or figure skating, which are still both judged events mm -hmm. and they have very specific um requirements that they need to have within their program i feel like we have a kind of version of that but ultimately adding more of that isn't necessarily going to make it less subjective so right i, I think the it, this is something that was quite a big 
um, a big thing for me. Um, and actually, this earlier this earlier well, earlier this year, it's only January. Mm-hmm. Um, in my in March last year, when um, I broke up the partnership with Amy, um, I wasn't really one hundred percent certain I wanted to continue competing. Um, and part of that was based on a distaste and dislike for judgment, mm-hmm. both 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 in kind of like a personal sense and also in an artistic sense. But I think what what we we as competitive ballroom dancers have to accept is that those are the trappings of the sport. Just as you have to wear dance shoes, you you can't compete in sneakers you have to wear uh, the competitive outfit there those are just the the norms of competing mm-hmm. or dancing and if you choose to take it on a stage then you're opening yourself up to a different world of judgment a different world of criticism by from critics from audiences so ultimately if if you're putting anything in the public domain there's opportunity for subjective judgment. Right. And that's the, ultimately it comes down to the artist or the dancer to accept whether that's okay or not. And, yeah. And sometimes it prevents people from potentially reaching their fullest, reaching the heights of their prowess. And sometimes it, it means that we get results across a competition that not everybody agrees with but mm-hmm. that's the consensus opinion on the day and we have to all accept it right right yeah definitely it's it's frustrating I think when we are all so dedicated to the craft and we are putting in so many hours in the studio only to not be met with the results that we were hoping for Right. And sometimes it may not even have to do with our dancing technique or the dancing itself. It could be something completely different um, that's not really in our control. And I think that's at least for me personally, that's where I struggle with um, the competitive sphere of dancing. Like I I love dancing Latin, um, but competing is another thing for me. I love learning it. I think it's fascinating. I think there's just... The learning never stops. The growth as a dancer never stops. But competing is kind of a different story, right? It's um, There are challenges there that I think we all have to put up with, right? Um, depending on our goals and um, whether you want to even be a competitive dancer or you want to focus on teaching or just performing in shows or whatever your focus may be. Um, so I'm really curious, Andrew, as to what propelled you to switch from Latin to rhythm? So American rhythm, I assume by the name, is something that's strictly American, right? Do they even have rhythm category in England, or is that even uh, a thing well, there? They do now. I know that mm-hmm. Black, Blackpool, about five years ago, six years ago maybe, started doing pro-am rhythm and also pro-rhythm and smooth. Um, and now the Dutch Open had it once, um, the UK Open this year just had it, and the International will have it this this coming October. 
So if we look at that, that's the four, four major, three, three major competitions that we classify the calendar with in the ballroom dancing community now host American rhythm. Uh, when I was in the UK, we'd never, I'd never heard of it. I hadn't known anything about it. And it was only when I moved over here to work at the studio, uh, the studio owner, Chris Johnston, who has, who was a former Latin dancer uh, back in the black and white era, um, <laughs> was, um, sorry, no, he, I think he wore a cat suit. So he, I, that might, that <laughs> dates him a little bit, but I think he also wore pants and a shirt. So that he was on the cusp of, uh, of that. But the, he was very strongly encouraging us to do professional rhythm uh, when we first over moved over and I, I, I had no idea what it what it really entailed and the reason that he gave was really based on a opportunity to further the dancing that we do uh, make something different for ourselves and also open ourselves to an opportunity within the business side of dancing that where you're able to broaden your knowledge base. Um, you can be a, a teacher of ex, with expertise in international Latin and teaching the other styles on the side. But unless you really understand and have kind of gone into depth and taken the time to really try and understand the mechanics and understand the concept behind a style, and then try to get that on the floor in a competition purpose, then you really feel, I feel like then you kind of have a greater understanding of what that style is. And then you can pass that on to um, subsequent students and further understanding of that style. Now, I, the first <laughs> the first time we kind of competed in rhythm, I'm not gonna say, that it was in its truest form, still very much a learning experience. And I think the, the beauty of American style, particularly rhythm at this point, because smooth has kind of been a little bit more, a little bit ahead of uh, rhythm in terms of its structuring and its kind of organization of patterns and the concepts that make it a recognizable style. The, the thing that attracts me to rhythm mostly is kind of, it's in its infancy in a lot of ways. Um, there's new new elements, new kind of, um, I know Dance Vision have a new syllabus. Diana McDonald just wrote her technique book. Um, if we go back, Forrest Vance has uh, a great series on American rumba technique. There's, there's lots of different things out there. So it's, it's not one thing. And it leaves it very much open to artistic interpretation, which as, a, as an experienced dancer is like being a kid in a candy shop, really, because you can kind of pick and choose and look and think, you know, this is something that really connects with me. And this is something that I can appreciate the value of, but doesn't connect with me on a personal level. So you can kind of build your own essence of what rhythm is. And, and I think that that's really important because it it actually stays true to 
the style itself. Um, it's a far more social style than internationalist, international kind of style socially, and has very, very strongly gone into more of a competitive field. Whereas if you go to a social dance here, everybody's dancing American style. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very populous. And I think that that makes it very intriguing to see what each individual person competing can do with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually really like social dancing. So that's one of my pastimes. I love salsa. Um, Good. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, do you find that you learn things when uh, social dancing? I find that it's, it's a lot more free than um international latin which is all like technique and body mechanics not saying that american rhythm is not um but social dancing when i go out i don't have to think about any of that technique stuff i just go and it's very lead and follow very intuitive based um and it's just so cool to me you know letting go of that perfectionism for a little bit and just to enjoy the music and and have fun dancing which is really what it's all about for me you know um, absolutely. So can I ask you a question? I yes. know this is your podcast. I don't yeah, know if you ask questions, but would you feel that that social dancing is dancing in its truest form? I think I think dancing in its truest form is a physical expression of music and um it's not about how straight you can make your leg or how far you can point your feet or you know I think that's that's all technique that's body mechanics I think dancing um it boils down to the music and it's also um I don't know expressive you want to feel freedom in the expressive component of it right you don't Absolutely. for me dancing is like um it's freedom you know it's it's if you're worried about how your body is um or if you're so fixated on the technique then you kind of lose a little bit of that freedom and that's what i find find um in my own training in international latin versus if i go out social dancing social dancing for me is the party time you know and mm -hmm. i think when you have the training and you already have the body mechanics i think people there they always come up to me they're like you're you're ballroom right like I can tell by the way your body moves is so connected like you're a ballroom dancer I'm like yeah but I'm not consciously thinking about that when I'm doing social dancing you know so I my view is that that's how it should be on the competition floor as well mm. you should you should get to that you should get to that state that you are yes you're doing a pre-preset pre routine generally uh, it's always fun to kind of mix it up and I'm, kind yeah. of, I'm renowned for my ad-libbing but that that feeling of freedom and that feeling of self-expression I think is the the pinnacle of dancing like you say and there's no reason that that can't be done on the competition floor and mm -hmm. for me personally what I've found is that I have found that space much more in rhythm than I would than I found in uh, in Latin. Not, not nothing against yeah. Latin. I think it's a yeah, beautiful style and it's so it's so well constructed. But 
the rhythm just kind of suits my personality out fairly. I've always been a bit kind of of a maverick, I guess, but different. I love it. <laughs> or at least maybe I've tried to be a maverick. I'd rather be, I'd rather be a maverick than a goose. That's the way I like to think. Yeah, no, think outside the box and be your own person. I feel like it's hard to have that, um, I guess, individuality in something that's so like set in its ways. Like this is how it's been done. You and then I feel like a lot of dancers get caught in this trap of we have to conform to this specific mm -hmm. way of moving the system, the the style of the t of like how it is right now. Um, and then if you bring your own flair to it, like that may not always be rewarded, right? At least competitively. Right. So um, it's great that you've been able to find more of that freedom and flexibility in the rhythm style. Um, what, would you say that in terms of like body mechanics and technique, how does rhythm differ from Latin? You know, this is this is something that students ask all the time and people who, who ask whether like ask in terms of moving across from Latin rhythm. And ultimately, if you've if you've trained in Latin, you have an awareness of body mechanics and control body that will serve you with excellent with an excellent advantage in doing any dancing just as if you studied ballet you stand you in an excellent advantage in terms of learning how to do set movements now you're going to have a particular way of moving that suits you better but it's it is an advantage because it gives you a level of awareness in the sense that I feel that all ballroom dancing sits within its own kind of category of partner dancing. That anything that you've learned in standard helps you in Latin. Anything that you learn in smooth will help you in rhythm. Anything that you've learned in standard will help you in rhythm because there's a set kind of way of moving with two bodies in space. It doesn't, it, in that regard, it, it's not always important what music is playing you're still always going to be two bodies moving in space in some kind of frame. And, and I think that what gets forgotten is that that is still intrinsic to rhythm. So the body, body mechanics of that are fundamentally the same. Where it differs is the kind of bent leg action that people discuss. Um, but actually what, what, is the kind of rephrasing that, that's kind of a misnomer. It's not really a bent leg action. It's more of a soft knee uh, when moving forward through, through a step. Um, because bent legs, you can't really necessarily, A, they're not as aesthetically pleasing, and B, you can't really get the same kind of level of, of uh, articulation. But through a soft knee and that delayed action, you're able to kind of really talk the body I guess would be a good way of putting it in that you you're kind of building up an internal body resistance that then allows you to release body weight into release like muscle weight into a step uh, to enable you to move at some of the some of the quicker tempos through a say a, a American rumba action um, 
we have slower tempos in some of the other dances compared to compared to international chatter is slightly slower. Swing is obviously much slower than jive, but in that case, you're not using the same mechanics that you would have in, you're not using the same technique that you have in, um, in jive and swing. So in that instance, that kind of, that really is the only difference, that sort of softer, soften the action and not what has, kind of become more prevalent in international Latin is like a hyperextended leg, arriving on a hyperextended leg. You still can kind of move through that hyperextended leg because it's aesthetically more attractive, but there's a lot more focus on body first, then legs than international. That's kind of where the difference is. And that's why we use a softer knee action. Got it. Yeah. So with your Latin training, what was that transition like into rhythm? Like when officially did you start your rhythm training and um, how was that to, transition? Ooh, yeah. Rough. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Um, I, moved, I moved in the September of 2016 and I did my first pro rhythm comp in January 2017, we kind of had a bit of a, you know, I would say crash course um, because I was dancing with students very quickly and early on here. So we kind of got, a, a, Chris did a great job of kind of explaining the sort of fundamentals of why rhythm is the shape it is. And kind of then, so it was like, okay, here's some steps um within a within a here's the basic steps how would you dance these in latin and then kind of figured it out a little bit and then diana mcdonald was our coach and she kind of put together some she gave us sort of like the uh american rhythm 101 or i think amy probably got american rhythm 101 i got american rhythm for dummies that was definitely the, the book i would have given just and it it really, I, I, I can say for sure, it didn't click right away because you're mentally, you're focusing on what you're trying not to do. I'm trying not to straighten my leg. I'm trying to, I'm trying not to articulate in this particular way that I have done in international for 16 years. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you, you find yourself not doing rhythm because you're just trying to not do Latin rather than taking it and understanding just as you did when you were a kid, when you learned the figures in, in international rumba, you understand why you make an eighth of a turn here because you're allowing the lady to pass into fan. You understand why you lower the hip action in a, in a three alamanas in a specific way. And then you, you start to understand the figures more. You start to understand why the dance is constructed in the way it is. And then you find yourself doing rhythm rather than trying not to do Latin. Mm -hmm. And and that's when it really clicked in terms of in terms of being able to try and access the style. Um, and for so long you kind of just fight yourself mentally and phys and physically. Mm -hmm. um, but but then when you when you start to sort of just try and bake it down, and I was always very fortunate in that I was working a lot with kind of bronze and silver students 
Um, so you're breaking it down on a daily basis for 30, 40 hours a week and then practicing it. So you get a good grounding in kind of just practicing your basics and then having to articulate them to somebody else who isn't necessarily trained in the way that you were trained as a kid um, helps you understand in a much better way because mm -hmm. you're constantly educate, you're constantly re-educating yourself. And then when it clicked competitively, I, I mean, for a long time, I competed in rhythm and Latin at the same time. So for two years, we did rhythm and Latin. And then when it really clicked was when we stopped doing Latin altogether. Mm -hmm. uh, and really just focused in on making rhythm something that I wanted to, to do. And I'd felt, I'd felt for probably the last year of doing both styles that I was always pulled more towards rhythm mm -hmm. and just, just felt like I connected more with the music, uh, which is, I guess it's difficult for a, a white British person to say that they connect with a mambo because it's not in my culture. It's not in my blood in any way. And I'm not, I wouldn't claim that because that's kind of different culture, but rock and roll definitely is in my, is in my, heritage there's a great history of rock and roll in England so that was very easy to get into swing bolero the music really kind of dictates the action and when you start listening to the music in a from through a bolero stance you hear yeah this this song isn't an international rumba it's a bolero because of the way that the beat is designed and trying to I'm, I'm a big big music fan Uh, I'm not necessarily musical in myself. I don't play instruments, but I, I use music in a way to, to get into dancing so much more mm -hmm. than I use anything else. So being able to then have an understanding of the technique from the work that you're doing with students, the work you're doing with coaches, and then be able to access the music that ultimately dictates why the action is the way it is that's when you start to connect to what rhythm is yeah wonderful yeah um so i'm very excited to see you and asta competing this weekend that is very exciting Thank you very much. Are you how are you guys i'm not gonna be there but i'm gonna watch the oh. videos <laughs> okay, great. 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 yeah so how are you guys feeling feeling good feeling very good yeah um I think the the telling sign is that we kind of we practiced her. So she's in New Jersey. I I'm in Boston at the minute, and um, so we practice sort of like five days over a weekend. We travel back and forth, and it was telling over the weekend practicing that we both kind of sat down and we're like, okay, it feels like we need to do a comp now, mm -hmm. um, which is a great sign because we're doing one. So <laughs> um, <laughs> that that sense of maybe are you ever ready nobody's ever fully ready that's kind of the idea if you're too ready then something's going to go wrong and it's going to throw you whereas if mm -hmm. you just sort of like feeling that you need to change it up that's when you know you want to do a competition and that feeling of excitement is there for me for sure mm -hmm. um and so yeah it's it's feeling good it feels more 
it feels like we have our own thing going. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's very subjective. So yeah. we'll see who likes it and who doesn't like it. And I'm fully accepting of all critique and all all criticism, all positive feedback. I know that there's been a lot of people kind of speaking to us about their their levels of excitement to see us dance together uh, and to see us dance rhythm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's quite a big, it's a big step for her to come over to rhythm. I've obviously yeah. had a little bit more experience, but she's she's an unbelievable dancer and she's really, she's a very educated dancer. So mm-hmm. she's done a lot of kind of delving into understanding it. Yeah, no, she's amazing. Um, and you are too. And I'm excited to see you guys together. And um, you've been dancing for what, five months together by now? Yeah, we I think we we had our first like, lesson-ish in September, the very September. end of September, a bit. End of September, beginning of October is around the time of Constitution State. Got it. Uh, we had a bit of a practice there and a lesson with Diana and Gary to kind of like see what they thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, that's so exciting. Well, congratulations and um, thank you for thank sharing you. your story and can't wait to get it out there. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I feel free to, if there's anything else you want to ask, go ahead. Yeah. Um, um, do you have any advice for aspiring professional ballroom dancers? Uh, yeah, I think, I think for me, for me, the biggest thing to remember to try and hold on to is the reason that you started dancing in the first place. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the reason that you got taken to your first dance class, but that feeling that dance gave you and the reason that you wanted to keep doing it. Hold on to that and don't become jaded. Don't become disillusioned by things uh, because that's life. Life is there as a, and will always be there into stand in the way of get of us getting exactly what we want whenever we want it because that's not just that's just not how it works yeah and if we can do something that provides our us with so much joy and in turn provide joy to other people be that through dancing with someone dancing for someone dancing against someone then why why turn that into anything else other than something that brings you joy? And I think that that's something that's super powerful. And if you hold on to that, then you'll always enjoy your dancing. You won't always enjoy the results. You won't always enjoy the five-hour train journey to a, a, for a 45-minute lesson, but you'll enjoy the process and you'll enjoy the, the output much more. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that advice. I definitely needed to hear that. Um, no. Needed to be reminded. Um, well, thank you, Andrew, and and have a great rest of your day and best of luck at the competition. Can't wait to see you thank guys. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to talk to people. And, of course. Um, I'm very I'm very honored to have been a part of it. I think what you're doing is fabulous. So keep going. 
Thank you. I'm glad that we were able to connect. My friend was like, oh, have you heard of this guy, Andrew? He he was from England, moved to Boston. Now he's doing rhythm. I'm like, oh, sounds so interesting. So I'm a bit of a unique it text. happen. There's not there's not many of us out there, but you know, I uh, I fly the flag, as it were. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you later. Thank you very much. Have a good Thank one. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Athlete Voices podcast. We have new episodes coming every Tuesday, so stay up to date with that by clicking subscribe. You can follow us on our Instagram at Athlete Voices and check out our website, athletevoices.net, where we post feature articles about the guests on this podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and leave us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys next week.